As part of my last-minute preparations to begin parish and school ministry in Greenville, I have been asking priests which books they found helpful in their own pastoral care, particularly in the area of counseling persons who are facing great difficulty. And one such author that I came across has very quickly become a new favorite of mine, Father Jacques Philippe. I have been powering through his books and taking copious notes because I think he has found something which needs to be heard and shared with today's generation of the faithful in particular. And so it's no surprise that when I was preparing today's homily, I couldn't help but to find a thread of meaning which connected to one of his books, Searching for and Maintaining Peace. Peace, of course, is something which many of us lack and therefore are often searching for. And so today's second reading from the Epistle to the Ephesians should come as a great comfort to us. St. Paul, in this very small passage, uses the word peace four times. Christ is our peace. He establishes peace. He preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. Of course, St. Paul is speaking here about the election of the Gentiles, those who were far off. Formerly, it was understood that only the Jews could have a share in the salvation offered by the Messiah. But Paul is explaining here that Christ came to share that salvation with the Gentiles as well. But if we take a fuller perspective, we can see that there was an even greater divide between ourselves and God due to sin. Of course, this division was destroyed on Calvary by our Lord's supreme act of love and sacrifice, thus fulfilling the prophecy in the first reading, where Jeremiah says that in the days of the Messiah, Judah will be saved. Now we are no longer separated from God by the burden of sin. Yet, oftentimes, the fact that we are forgiven and loved by God is concealed by the reality that our sins, even our confessed sins, still have effects, sometimes lasting effects in our lives and in the lives of others. God forgives us our sins, but he does not remove the consequences of these sins from our lives. And sometimes the knowledge and indeed the fear that we will still have to face these consequences causes us to lose our peace. And from that loss of peace, we fall into denial. Denial that we are the cause of these circumstances. And then resistance. And then total rebellion against God until it is no longer our fault that we are in this place, but God's. Now, don't get me wrong. Guilt for our sins is a good thing. We feel guilt when we realize that we have sinned and desire to be reconciled with God because we know we have offended him. But God always accepts us back with his great mercy every time we ask him. Why then do we lose our peace? Firstly, we lose it because the enemy knows that without our peace, we are prone to dwell on our sins. And he can use this state to bring us further away from God, perhaps by giving us a fear of confessing our sins or by telling us that we are unworthy of forgiveness. Eventually, if we remain in this state, we will fall further into sin because we have lost our reliance 
on the help of the Lord. But we also lose this peace because our own failings, especially major failings, have the ability to shatter the ideal image that we have of ourselves. We are overcome with sadness because we know that we could have done better, or should have, or perhaps even would have, had we known. And so we fall into sorrow. We do not think that God can forgive us because we cannot forgive ourselves. Or even worse, we blame God for not acting so as to prevent us from falling in the first place. God becomes the cause of our sin because he should have acted. That is a terrible place to be, to see God, who was our only peace, as our source of trouble. So how do we overcome this state? Christ gives us the answer in the gospel. Come away by yourselves to a desert place and rest. When we are troubled by an uncontrollable circumstance, especially when the circumstance is our own fault, we tend to wallow in our bitterness until we are entirely consumed. But Christ in the gospel today hears about all the various works that the apostles had done. And knowing that they could have been exhausted by this, tells them to rest. Now, what does this sort of rest look like for those of us who simply can't step away from our lives for a period of time? First, we have to learn to abandon ourselves to the situation, and particularly to the love of God. It does no good to dwell in our own terrible circumstances, especially if we are incapable of changing them at the present time. Instead, we have to learn to choose this circumstance even if it wouldn't have been our choice from the start. We can choose to accept that regardless of our original plan, this is where we find ourselves now. And so likewise, this is where God will find us. If we suffer in this state, it's because we lack our confidence in the Lord. Our distress could be legitimate, but we have to keep reminding ourselves that God is not going to abandon us, even here. God says to Isaiah, Can a mother forget her infant or be without tenderness for the child in her womb? Yet even should she forget, never will I forget you. And then once we have resigned ourselves to the circumstance and begun to place our hope in the Lord, we must nourish this hope by constant prayer. And we can be honest with the Lord in our prayer and tell him our frustrations. Father Jacques Philippe gives a prayer for us in his book. He says, Lord, I ask your pardon. I have sinned again. This, alas, is what I am capable of doing on my own. But I abandon myself with confidence to your mercy and your pardon. I thank you for not allowing me to sin even more grievously. I abandon myself to you with confidence because I know that one day you will heal me completely. And in the meantime, I ask that the experience of my misery would cause me to be more humble, more conscious of others, more considerate of others, more conscious that I can do nothing by myself and that I must rely solely on your love and your mercy. If we are not already in a habit of prayer, it would be a good thing to try to build one. We can start by taking a small bit of time out of our morning routine say 15 to 20 minutes, to read sacred scripture, perhaps even the readings of the day, or another spiritual book, or to pray the rosary, or even simply to sit still and to consider all the troubles of our heart. 
But at the end of, the, end, of the, end of it all, we need to reaffirm to ourselves and to God that we place all our trust and our hope in him. We must surrender ourselves entirely to him. But we will notice that even after our prayer and our acceptance of the circumstances, they will not disappear. God is not going to swoop down and take away our cross. But we can bear it with him and with one another. Come to me, he says, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take, your yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. The ultimate answer to our sufferings in this life is to willingly bear them with Christ. Jesus says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down freely. In the face of our own distressing circumstances, we can lay down and pout and tell ourselves that we are helpless, or we can face these troubles responsibly and choose them for ourselves. No one does this to me. I choose this freely, and I can bear it with Christ as my health.